Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. We're excited to welcome award-winning photographer G.B. Smith to talk about his book, Pathways. This is a beautiful, beautiful book of images. Um, they're award-winning images and uh, obviously from his catalog and really shows architecture and nature and how they unite and uh, going through it. And they're all black and white. We're going to talk about that, why he works in black and white photography. But there's something really cool about this book. Um, I'm a person who always loves rounded architecture, things to be round. I don't know. I, if I could live in a hut, I would. Um, but this book really showed me that there can be flow and roundness in straight lines. It's kind of weird. So check it out. Go to gbsmith.com. That's his website. The book comes out on November 7th, 2023. So welcome to the show, GB. How are you? Thank you, Lisa. Uh, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So what is this about this roundness? And then now you've got like you made you make me look at things a little differently in that the straight lines can create a flow and a roundness, even though they're straight lines and have those kind of patterns. Well, it's, it, you know, a lot of it is around if you strip away the distractions of particularly color, you know, to your point around you know black and white, you actually get to see the shapes of things and patterns that you wouldn't normally pay attention to, because, you know, very often we're all distracted by you know bright shiny things and there's wonderful beautiful colors in the world that don't get me wrong but if you strip those away and try and focus on what the actual structures are you really you really see a different kind of you appreciate the shape of things and the the, mm. the you know the actual structure of and be them buildings or or natural things like caves like the one i'm in yeah, yeah, you're in a cave. He's got his own man cave. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> well, one of the things I love, I know it's called Pathways for a reason, too, is the docks that you have in the book. And you've got bridges and, and things like that. In fact, we were going to do a story on that with all the parks we've been to of boardwalks and bridges. It's like, do you dare set foot on them? And I don't think I want to set foot on majority of those um jetties or docks that you have in the book because some of them are broken down they're like they're getting old and you think wow i wonder who built this and what how many you know there's stories behind it you know when you see those kind of those yeah i mean it's fascinating to me and i think you know i'm kind of drawn to that uh what would you call it sort of you know marine dereliction or you know a different age because you know i grew up in in england in the industrial you know where the first industrial yeah. revolution went on and so i grew up around coal mines and uh, steelworks and a lot of sort of very industrial architectures and i you know i now live in you know close to baltimore and the harbor on the east along, all along the, the you know the main of the of the east coast and I'm fascinated by these structures that still remain, you know, these forgotten piers that are sort of falling into into dereliction. And, and you know, to me, it's a it's a nostalgic thing around, you know, the industries that used to the marine industry, particularly that used to be there. But they're, they're gorgeous shapes and forms and they seem to just reach out into the largely into the ocean. And they do become part of nature, you know, where we are right now, we're in the Appalachian region and 
I go walk through the forest with the dog and, and I'm seeing old bar that there's old barns out here that are falling, yeah. you know, and, and barns like, I'm like, that may be a whole new thing I'm into now, but there's a thing with them because you wonder about who built the barns, the, the family story of the farm and why are they derelict now? And, but you see these old signs of pathway <laughs> pathways where people used to go and some lead up to cemeteries where we are. And um, it's just signs that used to be there. And you're looking at this and nature has reclaimed it and kind of like coddled it and put moss on them. And like, there's all kinds of things living on them. And I know when they are underwater, things grow on things too. And it, it, it's a number, I think it's a confluence of things that have super interest to it. If people put a lot of time and effort, you imagine the effort that went into the building of these various pathways and now then they're, they're not used and nature, as you say, you know, reclaims them in its, in its own way, but they're, they're things of great beauty. They, they really are. And I, I love the, I love the patterns on them and the simplicity of their design as well. But, you know, pathways to me means a, you know, a, a multitude of different, dimensions to it mm. so architecture did you always have an interest in it um i was always fascinated by modern architecture because i love the clean lines on it and i like i guess i'm attracted to more minimalist mm-hmm. type things generally um and of course you know most of modern architecture not all is generally minimalist in type of form or if not it's form than the usage of materials um and i love simplicity and cleanness and bringing things down to their essence and i think that a lot of modern architecture is that and that's why i i I enjoy it so much Mm. yes i'm very drawn to it yeah you really did make me look at at it differently you know that it can have those curves and those lines can twirl around if you just look at the flow in the modern style of things but then you look at you know even docks there has to be precision in docks and boardwalks and piers and bridges there's this precision but there's a beauty to it and it's like i mean i look at the bridges to us are always interesting because there's like do you trust going over it you know how do you feel after you photograph so many from the top the bottom and all sides i mean how do you feel about bridge work proceed with care yes proceed yeah. with care i i would say on on some of them but you know i think the point around all you know bridges all of those things is they have their lines they have the you know if you look at a bridge for example you know what i see when i look at the bridge is that is the clean lines to it and there's a pathway through the image that you're looking at and i think particularly if you can you know, shut out the other things that are going on. And, you know, you've got, you know, the yeah. environment, sky and all of those things too. And if you just look at it, I think you really get a greater appreciation for what's around us. And mm. it is taking the time to focus on it and to try and strip those other things out is, I think, super, super rewarding. And, and listen, for me, it's a non-choice because I grew up extremely colorblind. Yeah. And I didn't really fully appreciate how colorblind until I really started, A, you know, you get tested. And and, um, I remember as a kid, you know, the the nurse who who tested me said, you're the most colorblind person I've ever come across. Um, 
and that was further reinforced. You're all yay. <laughs> yeah, so, huh, okay, all right. Um, and so, you know, I, I've kind of always grown up not being distracted by, me, by a lot of colors. Um, so are you seeing a lot of shade? Like, this- yeah, I, I, I see a lot of shades. I mean, I see some colors, but not as other people do. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am extremely colorblind. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the irony of that is, is when I first went into photography and started my apprenticeship in it, I was a color printer uh, in a dark room. Wow. Uh, and and we, we discovered very quickly just how colorblind I was, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got yeah, moved I on from that particular assignment very quickly. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we used to, our magazine was, in, I mean, we come from print backgrounds, especially Nancy's yeah. side and she's, you know, that's what she did and ended up also printing her own film for the magazine. And I remember having to get all these different colored film things and stitching them together. Uh-uh. No, that was not an easy task. I'm just going to say, but going into photography too, from what I've read that you've actually done a lot of the actual the dark room side of things too, which there's a mod. I, she had a dark room as well. And, and there's a modification of color that happens in a dark room with the chemicals and things. So were you doing it all strictly black and white? So if you'd taken something where you, I mean, there's no real color you're messing around with in the chemicals and all that. Yeah, No, I, 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 you know, I, I grew up with large plate cameras. So I grew up with a very, um, technical traditional you know photographic apprenticeship back in the time and nice. i have to say it was a, a, a lisa in full full admission it was uh you know uh four decades ago um so you can imagine what the technology was then it was plate cameras and i was an industrial yeah. uh, photographer so large plate cameras of building wow. largely um so very sort of technically based um uh training and and that obviously stayed with me and you know, there's a couple of points that I would make about it. One, it's a very slow process. So, you know, I still use what I describe as those same techniques now, except with modern technology and cameras. But I use everything manually, nothing automatic. I take very long time exposures. Everything's on a tripod. Everything is done in a very slow mode. Um, get the lighting right. That's the key. You get the lighting right. And I'll go back to the same place multiple times if I can't get what I want. So, you know, it's a lot of time and effort goes. Once I see something that I really want to try and try and capture, you know, a lot of time and effort goes into that. But it's it's using very old traditional techniques. Mm. Um, but you're doing experience. it digitally now, but digital yeah. now. Yeah, so they're, are they're, you shooting in color then? And then processing processing it black and white or filtering yes. it black and white? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's digital oh, wow. cameras. I use large format, modern, state-of-the-art yeah. digital cameras. Uh, but I use them all manually. You know, all of the stuff on it mm-hmm. is manual. Oh, yeah. And everything else. And then, uh, you know, obviously that's captured in both color and black and white on the digital uh, digital image. But then I only I only then pull it forward in, in black and white. So getting the lighting has got to be key for you to make it work with what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Particularly on most of the images, you know, when I study them, I see a certain pattern and a pathway around the image where mm-hmm. if you look at an image, you know, when I look at it and I'm trying to get that to the to the viewer is there's a natural way of viewing those images. And we're all drawn to bright things. 
So the lighter the parts of the pathway, that generally outlines the the, the way the eye moves on the image hmm. and is the pathway around the image. So it's it's a different it's it's the same but different way of looking at composition. You know, because even when you look at doing like advertising in a magazine, right? It's like where your eye goes here, it goes there. There's certain design elements we're all taught, but it's the same in, in photography, painting about composition, but color, you kind of go, well, there's a splash of color here. So that's fine. So for you, it's like, you're looking at the lines of light. Yes, that's exactly it. I mean, it's looking at the lines of light because you've stripped basically everything else out and it sort of, you know, brings the, 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 the focus point, the, the subject into, into real contrast because you know, it, it, you're drawing down at the very essence of it. You're not distracted by these by these other things. Mm. So when you're doing these and then doing prints and everyone go to gbsmith.com, seriously, it's you'll be stuck on there for the whole day. Um, and then you're getting it in a book. Is this going to be like a hard copy? Because I've got, you know, because we're doing this pre the publishing date again, November 7th. Um, are you doing this as a a hard copy, like yeah, a it's, it's coffee a, table? It's a hard print. Uh, there's a standard edition and then a limited edition. So uh, we're only doing 500 of the, of the, of the limited edition. And that's in oh, a wow. box. That's in a boxed uh, set. Um, so it's a 12 by 12 full format, um, 60 image, just black and white images. Uh, and it really is a, um, a selection of my more recent collections images uh anything but uh you know using that same technique and approach but everything from you know nature images from new zealand landscapes yeah through to you know modern architecture in new york Mm -hmm. i was thinking that you know going through it that people were gonna would want it just out of like you're capturing this sense of place of time of you know you're capturing some history that people in the regions that you photograph like you're saying in New Zealand and like you know the old dock in Maryland I would want that you know you've done all these different places that those people are going to want hey I want a piece of that that's part of our history you know does well, that happen with your photography yes yes it, it, you know it, it does um you know and I, I get you know specialist prints of any of these images and I, I donate all of that to the breast cancer alliance yeah. and all of the proceeds from the book from the author's proceeds will go to breast cancer alliance as well that's so amazing we've had you know, partnership we've had for a while that's really lovely that you're doing that and because i think there there's a sense and time and place to give back you know and and um, for people doing things and businesses. I know you're an, also a CEO of a tech firm and been, you know, real busy with that too. But I, and I feel like we have to get to that place in companies of what can we do to give back and not just keep doing for our company, you know? No, and I as think an that's, artist, that's beautiful too, you know? Well, you know, and I, it, there's an irony to the artist piece because, of course, you know, a lot of people, you know, back in the, the history of art, you know, they were sponsored individuals by, right. you know, but by, by, by folks. And, you know, to be able to turn that around and use art to contribute to, you know, other good, you know, I think is, is, is a little irony to that. But I'm, I, you know, absolutely pleased to do that. But, you know, I think... I think society generally, you know, you talked about corporations and the rest of it. 
you know, one really hopes to get a much tighter mingling around, you know, purpose and response. So, you know, it's social responsibility. You know, you think about the corporations 20, 30 years ago, very different sense of responsibility now. And I think that's, you know, generally a very good thing. Yeah, it's, it's the change is good. The change we want, yeah. we want positive stuff. And I think uh, with your photography too, you know, it's like I was saying, it gives people a sense of place, but it is also opening people's minds. It's something like you could go back to and also celebrating the architects too, because how many people go and admire buildings? Or when I was thinking about looking at your book going, how many people go buy buildings? They're in the Uber or whatever, and they get to, you know, New York City and don't see the whole building. And then it's like, it's this quick go by or they'll have like a photograph that they'll see all so much in there that they're not seeing the beauty of this, what was built or created that somebody sweated over because an architect didn't build like, there was that one crazy one, Dorothy's house. Is that what it was called? The crazy yeah, yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. And you know, no one just built that overnight and never, no one just, you know, hey, here's a house idea, go for it and build it in a day. You know, it's, it's to me, it's, it's the reason that I do this, you know, is multifaceted, but, you know, part of it is it's a very selfish thing for me because it makes me slow down. You know, listen, mm-hmm. I spend most of my time in corporate life running around like everybody else, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I travel extensively and the rest of it. It's a forcing function. To go just slow down for a bit and look around you and appreciate, mm. you know, be it great architecture, be it, you know, a wonderful bridge, be it, you know, a derelict pathway of some sort, be it great landscapes. Just take the time to mm. go out there and stare at it and appreciate it because everything now is designed for quick, you know, quick hit and, and, and move on. And, you know, our, our lives are so fast paced. I think anything that helps you slow down a little bit and appreciate what's around us and see the real patterns and the work that, you know, these architects went to and the thought. And it's not immediately apparent, of course, when you're zipping past in a in a in a taxi. It's just Yeah. And it's and the engineers. And they have to take that that ode of trust or something. They all have those rings, the building the engineers for bridges. We did yeah. a, an interview about that with her, Lee Brovadani, the trust architect. She was talking about that. Her husband's an engineer. And they have this like commitment that they make out of safety for these places. So I think that's that's a it's a big deal to kind of reflect that when you're looking at these structures that you're actually honoring those people and the people that built them too, because yeah, that's a lot of work. The actual construction. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, the the building that you talked about, Dorothy, is actually uh, Frank Geary, who's a pretty famous uh, architect. That's one of his lesser known works, actually, in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's in Vegas of all places. Yeah. Wow. Well, Vegas has some crazy stuff in there, too. But they keep imploding (laughs) their buildings and they need to stop it and let us like, you know, (laughs) stop imploding. And that's why we need photographers. When you talk about um, stop and, and refocus, do you feel like when you're photographing, there's that moment in using tripods that's we always talk about the world of cell phone photography is a whole other weird world. It's not the same. I don't care what anybody tells me. It's not the same. Some parts are really good and some parts aren't. And the tripod is crucial. And I really suck at using tripods. I hate 
carrying them around and whatever. Yeah, the but, well, by I filmed a um, Civil War reenactment and the tripod almost went down because of the cannons. But wow. that... But I thought, like, if I didn't have it, it would never have happened, right? It would never have been filmed. But going out in those moments, you have – it is still – even though you're using a tripod, right, there's that breath of moment where you really don't have anything in your mind. Whereas I don't I don't know about you, but I have that little crazy monkey mind that meditating is. Good luck with that. You better give me a glass of wine and some music. That's right. It's going to go ding, ding, ding. But right. in photography, you're so fixed on that thing that isn't that in a way meditation, don't you think? Oh, that's I, I, absolutely, precisely. And that to me is, you know, one of the reasons that I do this. It forces me to do it because I'm focused on, on on the image that I'm trying to, trying to capture. I'm enjoying the things around me. The tripod by its very nature forces you to be purposeful. Because you're not just wandering around doing this like you are. Listen, I, I think the democratization, if that's what you want to call it, of photography with with <laughs> iPhones is great. But again, it's this it encourages just this quickness of, you know, and skimming over the surface of everything instead of really experiencing the place that you're in. And I and I I'll use a story to illustrate this to you. I was in a remote part of New Zealand mm -hmm. and all of a sudden a large coach pulls up and we're really in a remote part of New Zealand. The coach pulls up, all the tourists get out. They all get out with their zoom sticks and they all take the photograph. They were back on the bus within 12 minutes. No. And they got back on the bus and moved off. And we are in the most just beautiful landscape you ever want to see. And I just thought, how, how sad they're not, experiencing it you got to walk around it and let it flow over you and go to places that are not you know very often i'll go to touristy type photograph places but i never take photographs there i always wander off you know and go down different passages and find something that's you know interesting and different and you know yeah. it's not fun to me to be around you know hundreds of people all taking the same same you know sunrise sunset image but i just thought that was just very sad and you know I, I, just to illustrate your your point and yeah they have the selfie stick and then well i we do that we travel through national parks across the country and yeah we've seen people that just they're they're missing a mom and baby deer right behind them because they're so busy selfing themselves it's like okay i get it have your photo um but you're really missing everything and you're missing the intricacy of like one flower. And that's something too, in the architecture and the photos you're taking, you have the, the patterns of some of the architecture really go with the patterns of nature. I don't think man has ever built anything that wasn't inspired by nature. And when you look at some of the designs in nature, it's pretty mind boggling how it goes mathematically and so perfectly at times. If you notice that as a photographer too, you're just like, dude, how did that, like, how does all these spots happen Absolutely. on this spider? Absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, people ask me, well, you know, why don't you just focus on one type of genre of photography or whatever? And I go, listen, to me, you know. That's I can, boring. It's boring. Be, you know, variety is good. Uh, and I like to spice it up with lots of different things, get to stimulate. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy the structure of a landscape. 
mm-hmm. um, as much as I enjoy, you know, structure of the building and, and any mm-hmm. kind of building. So to me, it's it's not it it's not particularly different. I see I see the analogy is when I think about the patterns, the structure, and condensing mm-hmm. it down to the shapes and forms. I I see similar things. Is it also that are you attracted to photography because it's it's kind of getting you into different places and making you think outside your box? And does that help you in business? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. I mean, to me, you know, being able to get away from my day to day business occasionally is just great, great sort of therapy. But what I notice is. You know, in the background, I'm processing things that I'm thinking about, and it helps to really get do something very, very different, something very creative. And to get out of that environment is actually very, very healthy. Mm. And it, 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 I think it makes me better at what I do when I go back into that environment because you've had a break. Mm. Um, you know, this notion that we have to, you know, do 24 7, 365 days of the year, you know, on the on the whatever it is you do um, is not a healthy one. I don't think, you know, and I think you're better at it if you take breaks from that and do something, you know, in the words of Monty Python, you know, completely different. Um, (laughs) Yes. And stop picking your nose. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) As soon as anyone says that I go to the life of Brian, I can't help it. Um, But, but no, but there's really a point in that. and, And I think creativity and seeing how, Somebody else has built something. And it's interesting when you go to, you were talking about the industrial, you know, architecture, like going to Erie, Pennsylvania was one of those places that just blew my mind because that was a lot of steel factory um, and a lot of brick. And having lived in the Southwest and California, just brick wasn't a thing. And back, well, even where you are, brick brick is around. There's brick row houses and stuff. And we're like, what? There's brick. There was brick when we lived in England, too. But it's like this texture and I look at it and it's like you could see it blackened from just all the the smoke and everything. And so this this town had this industrial section, which was starting to have breweries in it. And they're trying to do things with it to keep that buildings, to, you know, don't lose that history. But the true history is there. And then around the corner is Presque Isle, which is one of the most beautiful state parks in the country. You know, the most beautiful beaches yeah. and um, you've gone out and photographed snow waves coming in and things like that. You know, um, they have that. But it's kind of interesting going. It's like an eeriness of an of a, um, you know, the old school uh, company towns that something is really big. And then suddenly something came and took it out. The Pony Express was here. The Telegraph took it out. And I think when you do these kind of photos and show like it's keeping history alive. But it's also reminding us of changes always there, just like in photography. I, I yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That sort of whole Appalachian, you know, areas you as you go up through there and up into the north, which was very, you know, industrialized and were all, you know, coal towns or steel town, the whole thing was around it. I think, you know, first of all, you know, preserving some of I love some of that architecture, you know, the old steel mills and the the rest of it is there's something and I think as I said, that's back to my own, you know, yeah. uh, growing up around that uh, environment. And I think, you know, preserving that, but like life goes on and, and different things get generated and different, you know, um, economics drive in and, and the rest of it. But 
you know they are they are now being you know revived in various various forms but there's something about those old buildings that they they were like tough man there's like you know just even when you go to a brewery and they keep the old piping you're just yeah. like i just want to sit it's like when you go to a victorian bed and breakfast and they have the original tin ceiling like the pattern yeah. like do you not just kind of get hung up on that like for a day like i'm weird that way yeah no no i have a, I have a similar thing i i'm just absolutely fascinated by these old brick you know sort of victorian all of it era, <laughs> it's like uh, all industry. of it yeah no yeah. And, and listen i know that it wasn't a great lifestyle for those folks that had to live there mm-hmm. and the rest of it i you know I, I i appreciate that but i think you know not remembering that and not not capturing it in some shape or form doesn't seem doesn't seem right too you know we've all moved to the digital era and you know the the world of the cloud and i and i get that but that world of you know physical labor um and chemicals where whole communities were you know involved in all of that um is something we shouldn't forget too quickly Mm-mm. and that's why i think it's so important as i'm saying it's like I think your photography reminds us of change, yet it's nostalgic and change and looks to the future. I think nature is always, you know, you've got nature in there. Somehow, even with, you know, the Dorothy house has got this world is like, oh, yeah, you you went, someone looked at fungus somewhere and yeah. looked at something yeah, yeah. cool yeah. there, you know. And, and so it someone had some swirly nature things happening to be able to create that. You know, Frank Gehry, like you're saying, he had some nature influence in that there's no way that wasn't influenced yeah, listen, i mean you know everything comes from nature and what we see around us some shape or form we might not you know it might not be absolutely obvious to us but every piece of architecture every bridge everything that's built there you know is is grounded in some way and form on its shape mm. uh, it's built from built from the materials of nature um, so where are you now in this photo? Where is this cave? That looks like the Bay of Fundy in a way, but it's not. Actually is it? in, uh, this is in the northern coast of uh, New Zealand, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, you it's like New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, I love New Zealand. Absolutely. It's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Um, mm. Fabulous. Absolutely adore New Zealand, North and South Island. Everybody goes to the South Island, which is beautiful, but the North Island is also equally beautiful. Yeah. Any tips for aspiring photographers getting out there for them learning and going, you know, can I even make it doing it at this day and age where everybody's a photographer with a phone? We call it bingo winging, especially Nancy. She calls it because <laughs> you get it. You you get I the get bingo it. wing. We have to explain that to people. No, I, get it. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I think it's it's. It depends what your motivations are. I mean, I think, listen, if you want to earn a great living out of it, it's a tough thing to earn a living out of, um, you know, given all the democratization of it. Um, but listen, that you know, if you're, and like me, you know, I was just hopeless at drawing or painting or anything. And I tried desperately hard. My elder brother was brilliant at it, which didn't help. Uh, you know, he could, he could draw anything. He was just naturally gifted. And I was terrible. So, you know, when I finally found a way, you know, when I first discovered photography, when I was like 10, 12 years old, to me, it was just a way of, and I didn't realize that, you know, expressing yourself in a way because I couldn't, I couldn't draw properly or or, or the rest of it. So for me, it was just a, you know, it was a wonderful thing when I, when, when I found it, that was my first, you know, real great sort of a passion, but you know, it's, it's, 
it really needs to be, you know, or the development of your passion. You really got to want to go do that. But, you know, the thing I would say is everybody gets so preoccupied with getting the right image and getting the image and being very driven and, and the rest of it. And really, to me, when I think about capturing images, it's the opposite of that. I'm not really out hunting for that, you know, magical, you know, multiple photo. If I come back from one image on a trip where I've gone for a week, which is unusual to that long, I am very happy if there's wow. one image. That's amazing. Well, Ansel Adams was like that. Ansel Adams was like that. He said it took thousands to get one. Yeah. Now in the digital age, it's a little bit easier, right? Because yeah. you're not, you know, if it was poor Ansel, got a delete button. each one and got the money's back, you know, uh, now you can take multiple shots. But, you know, the point is that <clears throat> very often, you know, in, in terms of how I do my imagery, I'll sort of research and target an area if I'm there and I'll go there. But most of the time, the image that I really come back with is something that was not was not planned. It was mm. I wandered off somewhere and found a bridge or a something. That, oh, did you, know, you, you don't hire guides? Do you ever hire guides to take I you where do, you want to go? Depending on where I am in the world, you know, in some places, you, you, it's just smarter to go to go do that. But I but I I find my own image, you know, plate. Yeah. Image, uh, you know, I'll use them to help me, you know, um, navigate the country or, or whatever. But, you know, most of the images I take are not in the normal tourist kind of places. Yeah, I don't, you don't need to take the iconic, here it is, the obligatory. There's enough, for, there's enough yeah. photographs of the Eiffel Tower and some beautiful, you know, stuff of it done. And one can be innovative around that too. But, you know, I, there's a lot of other things in the world that, you know, is, 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 is not there so you know my advice is enjoy it it's part of the process it's part of the journey and it and if you come back and i can come back having been out you know in some places i'll get up at like three in the morning to try and get the right light mm-hmm. and i'll come back and i've got no images you know nothing worked right you know the mist came down you couldn't see a thing or whatever and i come back and i go that was still a beautiful morning it's it, it's it's it exciting it got me it's Exactly. It's exciting. One thing I wanted to touch on is warmth in photography, especially in black and white, because it's still tones of there's still there's a cold black, there's a blue black, there's a yellow. You know what I mean? There's a different tones. Yeah. Um, You know, like the one that's there to me has some of the golden undertones of black. Right. Um, So there's a warmth to it. And a lot of your photography, even if it's the way the water is moving, there's a warmth. So there's a warmth in the composition of your photography and how it's out there. And, and a lot of the times it, I, I, the digital age, it's like a whole new art form to add the warmth in just like in music In music, you know, when we were recording on tape and the old school of recording, and now it's this crystal over crystal clear, we took vinyl away and now it's coming back. Thank God. Um, Photography, I feel, is that way, too, when we were filming on film. And I think the digital age is great. I'm not knocking it. But there was this warmth through film and that process that now has to be like it is. Isn't the post-processing, like you take the photo and then you come into the studio with it and start editing. Isn't that like a bigger art form now than what it was? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listen, I'm a traditionalist. I don't 
shooting film, but when I process, interestingly, digitally, you can reproduce that film warmth. You can quite literally mm -hmm. say now within, you know, like various Photoshop type applications, I want, you know, an Ilford 400 ASA type this film and it will replicate it. Wow. And so, you know, in some ways I use all the digital stuff. And of course, you know, in my day job, you know, listen, I've spent my last sort of 40 years, you know, helping build, you know, the, the cloud infrastructure, basically. Right. So, you know, I spend my my day in, in the digital world. But, you know, I use post-processing actually in some ways to go to go back to the, yeah. the film piece. So I, you know, the first thing I do when I do the, pro first of all, I do very light touch in post-process, you know, and I try and capture a lot of what I got on, on, you know, first time in the camera. But what I do is the first thing I do is pull it back to, you know, film type. And that I think gives it the, you know, the warmth that I'm used to and the range uh, from the black and the white yeah. that, I'm, that I'm used to. And I I take a lot of time around the processing. It can take me, you know, a couple of days even on one image, you know. Um, but I actually don't do a whole lot to it. It's very small things that I will touch and and just make sure that you know it's cleaned it's tweaked. up. Yeah, where it needs to be cleaned well, up. Well, yeah, you know, because yeah. I see photography with you know, I saw someone do food photography. And, you know, and I'm interested on the black and white side because there is color. In, I mean, black is a composite of everybody, right? Yeah. And so when you look at the photography, they were adding in smoke. And so, like, to me, the background you have has that natural nature that, you know, there is a blue-gray. I get it. It's kind of rare in nature to see real blue-gray. It's like mm -hmm. a, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how it works on, on colorblindness of that kind of sight of coloring you know but he takes and he puts fake smoke on somebody's steak i just this is a he's he's a self-proclaimed food photographer yeah and it's the wrong color like that's the wrong smoke color smoke doesn't have that and it's like did you just light a match that's not what the food that's not what steam and smoke comes off of a grill and you and it's and it's completely unnatural so I, I love all this technology, but some of it, I'm just like, why don't you just go photograph the steak on the grill? Just go do it. Just go do exactly, slow your camera down, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, you know, with the advent of AI and the rest of it, you know, just being creeping, I mean, this this is going to be more the, more the case. And, you know, I think there's, and it's a great debate in the photography world, you know, how much is post-process versus, you know, is it really now, you know, the photograph that you took or is it something completely right. fabricated, for want of a better word? Um, and, and that's the great debate. And, you know, listen, I'm a bit more of a traditionalist in it in terms of the approach, but I think it's okay to, you know, clean up an image and, you know, get yeah. rid of a bollard that shouldn't be there that's distracting or, you know, that kind of stuff. But if you basically create something that wasn't there, a complete, that sort of steps over the line to Doesn't me. Doesn't that, you know, I mean, to me, because then it's, not, a it's not what the chef did and you're trying to represent the chef. It's like the goal, like to me, the fact that you, honestly, if you take a good photograph at the beginning, it saves you a whole bunch of time. 
Uh, yeah. And no, you're having I, more fun in the field. Wouldn't you? That's more fun than at the computer. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I don't have the time spend, you know, even though I spend a lot of time on a single image, it takes me a long time to choose that image that I'm the one that I'm really going to go do. But I'd rather be out there in the field, you know, having fun and enjoying the world. Um, yeah. You know, and back to your question about advice. Listen, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. It gets you out there. You enjoy places. It's a forcing function to slow down. It's a forcing function to get you to places that you perhaps wouldn't, you know, necessarily go to. And that's a good thing. Oh, it's got to be a good thing. It is. It is. It's fun. It's fun. Now I've got to learn how to photograph fungus now in the Appalachian Mountains. It's a whole other world. <laughs> you can't bingo wing it either. <laughs> Just saying you can't because you have to get under and get the gills. You know, if you want the gills, you got to go down. You know, I still that photo. You have a photo of yourself on the website. Uh, GB Smith, everyone dot com. Um, getting that ice, the waves of ice. How do you do that when it's so darn cold? I mean, you can't shake too much. And I, my camera tells me where to go if I don't keep it warm on things like that. So doing all that work, you get out there. That's, that's impressive. I am, well, you know, it, 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 it gets you into stuff that you wouldn't necessarily do. I wouldn't be, you know, having big rubber boots on wading into ice cold stuff so in fun. Iceland unless, you know, it was there, but. You know, it gets you into places that you wouldn't you wouldn't go to and experience other things. And, you know, to me, life's about getting out there. The world's a big mm -hmm. place with, you know, fabulous things to go see. And, exactly. you know, um, I've always sort of traveled and, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to, to do that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. Absolutely. And I think what's beautiful about what you're doing with the book, obviously, with the proceeds going to the Breast Care Alliance, that's a beautiful thing too. Breast Care, uh, Breast Cancer Alliance, excuse me. Um, but for sometimes it's an inspiration for people to get out there, even if it's their backyard. It's an inspiration to look at things and observation of what photography does. Even if you're taking your phone, hang out over that idea of the image for a little while and your phone has fabulous things tools the tools on phones today are pretty darn incredible and and i'm like okay maybe this can do more than some cameras you know so play with it and have fun but um i also think it, you're taking people to places that they're never going to see and that's a beauty of photography and the arts that it um it can travel and um be timeless you can take yeah. something that can crumble some of those docks may not even be there anymore not in those positions and there was one i'm like i ain't walking on that <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. so i yeah. think you're you're really holding some history and um showing people places they've never been in a beautiful way and keeping their imagination like oh i wonder you know let me go look this place up i started getting into that i'm like oh i want to go there i haven't been there i'm gonna look this up you know so um, very yeah. cool. And a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a real, a real treat. Lisa, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, every, everyone again, the book again by GB Smith is out on November 7th, 2023. You can go to gbsmith.com. And again, it is called Pathways. And when you look through it, you'll understand why it's called Pathways. Pretty much like what we've talked about today. You can keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa.